Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. Welcome to another episode of Strange Planet, and thanks for sticking me in your ear. We're going to take a, another deep dive into UFOs and aliens, and we're going to do that with TV personality, radio show host, Roderick Martin, who's an expert UFO and UAP investigator for the Mutual UFO Network. He's also the host of a podcast and YouTube channel, Why the Big Secret, where ufologists, researchers, experiencers, speakers, and authors discuss the big issues. Roderick founded one of the most popular clubs on the Clubhouse social audio app. The club has over 25,000 members. It's a relaxed venue where luminaries can share their stories, passions, thoughts on the UAP phenomenon and visions of the space future. Past guests included Linda Moulton Howe, Billy Carson, Grant Cameron, Alan Steinfeld, Barbara Lamb, Whitley Strieber, Kathleen Martin, retired Air Force Captain Robert Sales, countless authors and real-life experiencers, Roderick Martin. Welcome to Strange Planet. How are you? Doing all right, Richard. Glad to, uh, to be here with you and on Strange Planet. Yeah, but other than that, doing okay. How about yourself? I'm well, thank you. I'm just admiring, uh, for those of you watching this on YouTube, I'm just admiring your uh, your set there for the, the YouTube channel. I appreciate it. So let's just start with um, why the big secret, the uh, the YouTube channel. What uh, I mentioned some of the luminaries that you've had on, and obviously, you know, we over the years we've probably talked to many of the same uh, people. But tell me about how the uh, the why the big secret uh, show works. What's you know what can people expect when they tune in? That's a great question, and one of the things that I try to accomplish, Richard, is to awaken people's curiosity. Um, because what, what I find that although you and I have been in this space for quite some time and our belief level or wherever we want to go with this within this uh, phenomena or the community, but I, I'm, I'm seeing that there's a lot of new people, people who are still asking the basic, simple questions like, are UFOs real? So what I try to do is provide them enough information that they can read enough information that they could see or hear or talk about to awaken their curiosity to the possibility that we're not alone in this universe. And hopefully they take it the rest way. So when we, when we do things here on why the big secret, we normally try to present information uh, as basic as it can get as in the how uh, we, we know how people are doing it. 
and we know what they're doing when it comes down to government cover-ups, but it's the why that we focus on the most. And that is where that curiosity comes in, getting people to begin to expand the questions. Uh, and that's usually uh, my take on it. Now, personally, Richard, I just feel that um, the how is never as important as the why. And that's where I always go with all our shows. Can we uh, dial it back to when you were 12 and you had your first UFO sighting? Can you walk us yeah. through that? Um, it was one evening. Now, where I grew up in Dallas at that time, near the Dallas Zoo, you know, we would play under the street lights. And, and it, this is where the safe haven was for the neighborhood, unlike they are today, I would assume. And so my mom would always make sure we keep our eyes focused on the house in the porch light. So once that darkness starts to happen, she flickers the lights and you better be um, in the vicinity to see that and know when to come in. So at that particular evening, I was coming in and some of the kids were still able to stay out late. So it was a little chuckling. You got to go in. And and so as I walked, um, it was right where the I would say the, the, the stars are just meeting the night skies, you know. And uh, and so at this point, I was like, OK, I looked up. And there you go. There was something uh, like white that was like kind of a disc that was, and it was real quiet. But what really stood out the most was there was two jets following behind it. And I didn't realize the significance of that day at all, uh, as in where the months and years have rolled by and where I am today. But yeah, that was a significant event. And it just seared in my brain, Richard. And I never talked about it because I grew up in a neighborhood where even a bully, wouldn't be telling somebody saw a UFO last night. That's just not going to happen. Street credit gone. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And I wasn't a bully either, but I wasn't enough to be going out telling somebody I saw a UFO. You know, I'm guessing you can hopefully shed some light on this because this is sort of a commonality not to talk about it. And I understand because of the, the stigma and it's, it's less so now talking mm -hmm. about it than, 10 years ago even, but also the not talking about it even extends to people who have shared a sighting together. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I, I've talked to a number of UFO experiencers. They're in the company of somebody else. They both saw it. They don't talk about it. What is that all about? There you go. I, I think it's the, it's the mental aspects of where we are with this. And this is one of the reasons that I formed Clubhouse, uh, the, the social media app at the time, to give people a safe space uh, to talk about their experiences, to talk about what they're seeing. And so when it comes down to two people, and this goes into marriages, relationships, it's really deep because you got people that will not share that experience. And even when two people are standing side by side, unless one of them says, you see that? The conversation doesn't start because the other one do not want to uh, let, and, and, and it obviously has got something to do with the structure, the social structure of those two, because somebody don't want the other one to feel that they're stupid, dumb or whatever, whatever. So they just don't talk about it. Yeah. It's fascinating. Um, I know that you, you also like to approach the, the UFO experience, the abduction experience, uh, or you have explored, let's say, the cultural differences. Mm -hmm. um, talk to me a little bit about that. Um, what are 
what have you found in terms of the cultural differences with regards to both UFO sightings and abductions? That's a great question, Richard. And oftentimes, I, I think it's overlooked when it comes down to this phenomenon. So most people think, well, if this person saw a UFO, this one saw a UFO or had some type of contact experience, it's running on the same. But when it comes down to a cultural lens, it's absolutely, totally the intake of information is different. And for example, uh, for the audience would be, um, so in my culture, and in most people, you, you, you're going to talk about Christianity, okay? So you're going to use the, the religion cultural lens. Now, I grew up in a house where, you know, we, the story is that there's, there's a person, and I am still Christian today, that Jesus can walk on water, he could do all these things. And, but there's no belief in the fact that there's a flying saucer or something out there, or there's life beyond Earth or the story exists of, you know, extraterrestrials. And so it is really embedded into the African-American community because it's, it's almost a taboo conversation. You just don't have it. So when these events start happening, even myself, as I start looking back and, and, and really doing the homework of saying, wait a minute, you know, let's go through all of the documentaries. Let's go through all of the past stories. And you don't hear, besides Betty and Barney Hill, because it, the history was a, is in a racial couple, so that that stands out a little bit. But not on a massive scale do you hear a lot of the communities or African American community stories in this phenomenon. And I started looking back too, and I was like, wait a minute, why is that? Great question. And I started looking to history. And when you go back in history, let's say the forties, the fifties, and sixties. There was a lot of stuff going on in uh, the the segregation and all of this, the history that we were having. And so the likelihood of an African-American person or a minority, period, walking down to the police station with the potential of being hung and all of the racism and stuff that was, and then all of a sudden saying, hey, I saw a UFO. Now, don't get me wrong. It, it, was, it wasn't a black and white thing because people of every uh, race was treated bad when it came down to uh, UFOs. But if you go back to history, the African-American community was looked at it at a little lesser level. Mm -hmm. And so if you know how they were treated a white person with UFOs sightings back then, like they was lunatics, imagine that, uh, you know, typical situation. So there's a lot of history missing there. So when I started doing that research and, and, and started looking into stories and one stood out the most. I was looking at a story and we all heard of um, Project Blue Book, right? Yes. And Project Blue Book has been one of the staples in ufology now when it comes down to the history of the, the government and, you know, Professor Heineck and all of these stories. Well, I also started looking deeper and I was like, wait a minute, you know, um, and we, 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 we see all the documentaries that of Project Blue Book. You know, Professor Heineck stories. I mean, tons of them, books, there's uh, TV shows, there's again, documentaries and, and, and the story goes on. But then when I started looking deeper, I made a discovery, uh, Richard. And I was like, well, and it blew me away when I noticed that there was a guy named Robert friend. Now he was Colonel friend. Now he was a, a well-renowned person in the air force. In fact, he was part of the, the 
Tuskegee Airmen, the Red Tails. He was the original person that painted the first tail red. He stayed in the Air Force for 25 years after that. And lo and behold, between 1958 and 1963, he was the head of Project Blue Book. And I was like, okay. I never heard the story of an African-American person there. But then it, it hit me. Well, why would he be? Because here's the question. Why? Why him? Mm-hmm. But think about it back then. At that time, they was ruining people's careers who was trying to explore. And, and I'm sure there was plenty of military people like, no, I don't want to have nothing to do with this UFO thing. Well, let's just give it to this guy, you know, probably. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he wasn't qualified. But I would think at that time that would probably be a good reason. And I haven't uh, said I, you know, got bona fide information that he was given that because it was just a lesser thing. But if you think about it, how many people of statue at that time would have accepted that job? Right. Could be a career ender. Yeah. Could be a career ender. There you go. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Betty and Barney Hill and um, a mixed racial couple. Mm-hmm. Early 1960s. And to me, the, the fact that they, they came forward at that time mm-hmm. to talk about this publicly, I mean, they didn't come out right away, uh, just it adds even more to the credibility. As you say, I mean, as a, a mixed racial couple, the last thing you would think that they want would be to have the spotlight on them. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that? I mean, is, is for you the, the, the importance of the Betty and Barney Hill case and the fact that they were a racial, racially mixed couple coming forward at that time, 19, you know, the early 1960s? Yeah, and I think that when you, uh, and again, we're, you and I both, we're not trying to bring in a, an element of, because we, we there's two different dynamics here of color, but the obvious, the obvious. And mm-hmm. so, yes. so the audience can understand that. We're just having a conversation of uh, putting some dots together. And I think it's important for the community to understand that the more stories, if there was a lot of untold stories in our community that was at a time that people wouldn't talk about, it just helped the community to bring those stories forward because now we got more information, more evidence, more things to explore. So when you go back to Betty and Barney Hill, and and you totally correct, why would they not only going through the, just the fact that they were an interracial couple, and then now you're going to top, you know, the crazy on top of this thing. Right. And luckily for both of them, you know, they were highly respected individuals, Barney and Betty. And so therefore that gave them some type of credence when people was looking, because you got, you got to, you got to investigate the witness. I'm, I'm a MUFON uh, investigator. And, and no matter what information we get, you got to look into the witnesses because that's it. Uh, in fact, in the United States here, our whole legal system is based on witnesses. A witness could get you put in jail the rest of your life if they're credible, <laughs> you know. So even then, uh, you think about them being witnesses to what they experienced, and people try to vet them until, you know, they start doing the hypnosis and things and, and information was coming out that unexplainable, uh, that they knew that something must have been true in what they were doing. So I think it's it's a real, it's, it's a great story. You know, yeah, we can encompass a love story with this, you know, two individuals, but when it comes down to uh, where we are in ufology, it doesn't matter if they're black or white, we want the facts. Right. And, and so, but just so happened, there was an interracial couple at a time that 
that was just enough. And for them to have the courage to come forward tells a lot that this was not a joke. You know what I mean? Right. Where are you in, in, the, in terms of trying to understand the alien abduction experience? I mean, if Betty and Barney Hill, that, you know, the first very high-profile case, very harrowing experience, not a pleasant experience. And then you have, on the other side, you have people that are, um, they speak glowingly about, you know, their experience, uh, that they were treated humanely and, and, and felt um, unconditional love and, and almost like a near-death type experience and, and were given a, a warning about the Earth's, you know, uh, about environmental, uh, a potential environmental cataclysm and so forth, as if these ETs are, you know, like knights in shining armor coming to, to save mankind. I mean, how do, you, how do we reconcile or do we do we need to these polar opposite experiences within the abduction phenomenon? That is probably the baseline for us to begin because what you're seeing, Richard, is that you know there's some there is a level of separation between how one person experiences as a very traumatic experience. Someone else is saying it's 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 so enlightening, you know the it's a, a new beginning, ascension, and all of these stories that we hear. I think that there is a terminology, and if it's on top of my head, I, I got to remember. But you know, there is a personality type situation that comes down to uh, these UFOs because it'll begin to evolve over time, where the story gets stacked with the cold and more and more and more. But then you 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 have the clout side of this, the attention side of it, to where we get down to the one method that we all know is unexplainable. We cannot really verify, you know, even being a UFO investigator, I don't actually, and anyone, I tell us to the audience, anyone who says they're a UFO investigator, there are probably only one or two out there out of thousands that actually have touched a UFO and investigated, right? We just, we, we just go with pictures and information and, uh, and observe videos and, and, and another person's, you know, words. So back to tie it into what you're just saying, I think, you know, oftentimes for me, you know, I, I, I tend to try to make sure before I go down the rabbit hole with the individual or the content that was given or whatever the case that I'm supposed to be observing, uh, it, you still got to look for where it come from. You know, you got to start there. Who who turned it in? And now when you're looking at this and, and go back to the where you're saying is that why why is this having this effect on this person this way and that way? And I tend to lean to the people that are traumatized more about it because trauma indicates that there's something unexplained and something that they're dealing with, the unforeseen. Uh, and now don't get me wrong, there is a level of craziness of trauma that you just don't go down. But when you get to people that are really excited, uh, they're telling a story and they're, you know, coming back with these messages for humanity, I tend to kind of lean another way because it's like, you still got to now go, why you, what does this mean? And then they can never answer the question when to be accurate, you know, when is this going to happen? Or, you know, what's, 
okay, yeah, we're supposed to work on love. All right, what, for the next 10 billion years? Or when does it, love changes the trajectory of what's going on with this thing? So hopefully I answered that in, in a way of saying that it's, it's just more, we have to just not only trust the witnesses, we got to do that the best that we can then you have to also do your due diligence and, and try to put yourself in their shoes, but don't walk with them. I like that. Roderick, we'll take a quick time out, come back and uh, continue to talk UFOs, ETs, right here on Strange Planet. Don't go away. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's time to redefine reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Roderick Martin is with us, expert UFO and UAP investigator for the Mutual UFO Network and also host of the podcast and YouTube channel, Why the Big Secret? Um, Let me ask you about MUFON. And um, as a, um, you know, someone who, goes out into the field and investigates and interviews witnesses and sort of catalogs sightings and so forth. And then when you sit back and, and, and uh, you see a lot of these big, you know, UFO conferences, and I've been to a number of them, uh, and they bring out someone who, you know, maybe claims that he was uh, a super soldier on Mars and, and they're, you know, fantastical stories. But I'm wondering if you ever think to yourself, we have an expression here in Canada because we like to ski, and that is sometimes you get too far over your skis. I don't know if you're familiar with that expression down in Texas. No. But, uh, you know, if you so, get Or, too- you know, in Texas, we don't have, it's heat. We, we don't get snow, so <laughs> but know, maybe if, too the far idea is if you get cow or something. <laughs> if you get too far over your skis as you're, you know, you can tumble, right? And then you go mm. ass over tea kettle, as they say. So I'm wondering if you ever ever think sometimes the the whole the ufo arena is some it's getting a little too far over its skis in other words let's just stick to you know let's look for trace evidence let's interview witnesses but it seems to be going off you know madly in all directions in terms of you know time travel and i'm also fascinated but i'd be curious to get your take on sort of the state of ufology today well that's what i was saying earlier you it 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 gets to a point to where we, it's like a, I don't know. It's just, we can't stop. It's tentacles. It's like, it's just like everywhere. And it goes from a sighting to abductions, to contact, to time travel, to consciousness, to um, shadow people, dimensions, you know, uh, center earth, you know, okay. Galactic Federation, and I'm just naming a few. It all started with the first, I saw a UFO, right? Now we're, we're just everywhere. And, and it's really difficult, you know, cause now you got star seeds, you have impact, you have all of these 
elements of people that or things or situations that's evolved around ufology. And it makes us go back to the beginning when people used to think it's just a joke. Because uh, I remember interview, uh, interviewing Linda Moten Howe. And one of the concerns that she had was the association to the name of ufology. And what she told me, the history of that at the time was the word ufology was used by the military to identify people within the circle to say, oh, they're crazy. So if you and I were standing somewhere and some military walked up to another military, they go, oh, this is Richard and Roderick, you know, they're into ufology. And that's their joke at the time. Now, Stanton Freeman and her were really close, and he starts saying, hey, we need to embrace the name because it is. We are ufologists, we in, in, and it's a true concept. Uh, so now you're talking about, in the beginning, probably back then, there was more focuses on a sighting, you know, Roswell crash, or you know, just the fact that aliens exist. Now, like I said, you can go to conferences where you got people – you know, with colors and, and things and, and, you know, ascension. And, and now, you know, you have to meditate and get into a whole nother world of dimension. And now you have where you could uh, literally be contacted, you know, through the spirit world. Now, how does it all turn in, you know, comes back to ufology? Now, I still look for that today. You know, how does that all interact to the fact that, these conscious um, activities are from extraterrestrial beings. And then, of course, we all guess, you know, why they just don't show up? Why come they just don't pop up? And, but it also, Richard, led me to another goose chase, um, uh, a wild goose chase, and, and not in a negative sense. Then I started trying to say, well, was there any connection between ghosts? They travel through the same dimension. They are, you know, same thing that they go through walls and, and supposedly all of these so ghosts and ETs, are they one? And, and so then I start involving into our souls, but it all still comes under that umbrella where it all begins is us trying to figure out who we are. And I can go on forever. Right. Well, uh, a friend of mine um, who is a, a noted Canadian ufologist likes to say that you know, when if, if, I guess the word should be if, we ever figure out, you know, what is behind all this, it, it will probably be, probably be nothing that, that we currently think it is in terms of, you know, oh, it's little green men from outer space. I mean, I mean it may have nothing to do with any of that. Would you, would you agree with that? That, you know, it's not necessarily I, about extraterrestrials. Who knows? What? I have now been coming to that thought process uh, on many occasions now that it's big. And, and it also gets me more and more to explore with the, even my show, why the big secret, because we're now getting enough information on everything of how and what is happening. We still is not getting the questions of why, and that why is the big secret, whether it's the government, whether I call them big secret keepers and big secret keepers, not only just, you know, officials, it could be contractors, private sectors, there is something bigger. There is more knowledge because that's where the introduction, when you mentioned just earlier, time travel now. Oh, yeah, it could be us coming back to the future 
or, or Elon Musk saying, hey, we, we got to get off the planet. You know, uh, we're in a planetary species. Oh, oh, by the way, the Anunnaki, you know, they came here and they're the one who put us here and in the stories that we read. And so it is it's bigger. But I think that where ufology ties in, it puts a semi face on the phenomenon because everything else, you know, we're not seeing it. You know, who who's come back from the actual dead and say where we go when things happen, right? Uh, you know, unfortunately, when it's time to leave this place. And so uh, with ufology, at least we have crashes, we have sightings, we have, you know, reverse engineering products and technology. We do have abduction stories. We got actual physical cattle mutilations. We, you know, we have a lot of evidence that something is happening and we have a lot of evidence that it's not us. And it's also pointing towards some living being species that is doing this. So it's not this invisible phenomenon. You know. uh, have you, have you come any closer to deciding for yourself based on what evidence you've seen? Uh, whether we're talking about interdimensionals or extraterrestrials, or is that an unnecessary distinction? I think a lot of people try to, you know, put put those categories together, you know. And then, of course, now we start hearing vibration, right? You know, okay, the level of vibration allowing us to see the different dimensions, you know, of where we are. Think technology is technology. So if you think about if something has cloaking technology, then if it appears and reappears, we gonna assume that it's something happening in dimensionally. You know, it's going through dimensions, right? Um, but yet it could be we just can't see on that particular level. I think that there is probably some truth that there's things that are happening right before our eyes that we cannot just see. We, we don't have the ability or maybe it's the brain power to slow things down or however fast that it is. And so I'm going to probably lean to it. That is both is every, it's all of it. I don't, I don't think that we, there is just a certain thing that's going to pinpoint what is truly happening with us, with this phenomena is just, we just don't know. And do somebody know? Somebody have some information? Possibly, yeah. Are they putting it out there? Probably not. And if they did, we probably wouldn't understand it. This is why I kind of always lead with my tagline, your eyes are useless when your mind is blind. Because it don't matter what you see. If your mind is not open to it, it ain't going to matter. You know, We can probably see something right in front of us. It could be an extraterrestrial shape-shifter. But if our mind's in ah, nah, I'm and it goes back to the two people and you're saying that nobody talks about it because they just don't, I don't believe that. I'm not going to say this to this person. It's a human factor. And until we evolve, I think, in a capacity to understand that everything is possible, then we'll get to a point, I think, where things will start to reveal itself. Roderick Martin, host of Why the Big Secret podcast and YouTube channel, back with more of our conversation right after these.
truth will set you free. 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 But first, it will really tick you off. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And we're back with Roderick Martin, expert UFO UAP investigator. He's with MUFON down in Texas and also host of the podcast and YouTube channel, Why the Big Secret, the website, whythebigsecret.com. Just take us a little, on a little tour of the website. Roderick, what do we find there? You're going to find uh, a little more information about me, uh, some of the projects that I've worked on. Um, you're just going to find a way to uh, potentially have access to our newsletter if someone so choose to opt in. We have a private members areas that we are putting together for content that cannot be really spoken on YouTube and, and you know things that are very, we can say uncensored because I, I, I go deeper into some conspiracies, um, not to create one, but to break down some modern and past uh, conspiracies because we still got to always now start digging in why it, it is just so important now. You know, and so I think, you know, they're they're going to be intrigued when they come there, but they can get a little more information about me. There's an about page, and you know, maybe see one of my twelve-year-old pictures, and you know, just things to to form a relationship with me and, and why the big secret. And but it, it all rolls to lead back to the YouTube channel. It'll lead back to the podcast, but they actually will see uh, probably a couple of behind-the-scene footage pictures of. You know, the show I did for Discovery Channel, I think there will be some loaded for Fox TV show that I did, Forbidden Knowledge, and uh, I think some behind-the-scene pictures of when I was on George Nori and Guy and all those will be there as well. Uh, forbidden Knowledge, uh, Billy Carson, mm -hmm. who I you've, uh, you've interviewed, and um, he's a terrific fellow, terrific guest, and um, it's been a while since I had him on. Is he any... Do you know any updates on the uh, the mysterious or the mysterious uh, Black Knight satellite? Well, you know, he, he did a documentary, mm -hmm. you know, called Black Knight Satellite and and Beyond the Signal, uh, where I was in it as well. You know, Freddie Silver, I think Jimmy Church. There was a lot of us uh, in that particular documentary, and I think the hunt for information still goes on. And, I will refer people to the documentary, you know, they can find it on Forbidden Knowledge TV. And it is really interesting and compelling, especially from the angles that he went from it and, and some of the witnesses. And there are still people still down, you know, whether it was the uh, piece that fell off the, the space shuttle. Yeah, thermal blanket or something, yeah. And and so you're still going to have all of the, the evidences of those. But I think he makes a great point. And, and one of the things that I think, too, because when you get back to all of the ancient, uh, you know, evidence that we have that there's someone here, been here before us, and the possibility that we are being watched and monitored, uh, especially when you have all these UFO sightings in our oceans. And so the theory of the Black Knight satellite being some type of monitoring station does not go off to the, the deep end. Everything is possible. Um, I was mentioning my friend who uh, talks about, you know, when we finally figure out, if we finally figure out what the UFO, UFO 
phenomenon is all about, it'll probably re not resemble anything that we're thinking about right now. Mm -hmm. But he's also fond of saying it's not about the lights in the sky, it's about the lies on the ground. Mm. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the, the state of disclosure. Now, unless I missed something, Roderick, the, um, uh, the director of national intelligence is supposed to update Congress. He's supposed to update that report that came out, um, I think in June of 2021, which ended up being a bit of a kind of a disappointment, I think for, for many people. Um, first of all, did, have you heard anything? Like, I, I think at the end of October, they said it was forthcoming, but, um, as of the end of November, it still hasn't arrived. This was the update from the, uh, director, yeah, national intelligence. Um, have you heard anything about that, first of all? And then we can get into, uh, you know, where we're heading with disclosure. Well, I, I have not heard any particular updates other than uh, what you just said as well, is that they are already behind schedule in providing uh, information that we're all awaiting. Now, I totally agree with your friend. In fact, I remember the interview that I had with uh, uh, Robert, you know, Salas, which is the uh, captain. He was the person that was in the Mountstream uh, Air Force Base. He was the uh, in there when they turned off the nuclear weapons. Right. And one of the things he reminded me was, he says, Roderick, you know, it's it's time to really trust the witnesses. And 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 I so I say the same thing. Your friends is we focus so much on what's happening in the skies that it is time for us to focus on what's happening to people on the ground. Because now that the government has done what they did, because when they first came back and said, okay, we can really have disclosure. I'll be the first one to tell you from my end. I was like, okay, the jig is up. We're done. Well, what do we do? They're going to tell everything. What job do we have? <laughs> and then, you know, I'm like, okay. So then probably about three days later, I said, no, they're getting ready to change the rules. The game of hiding is going to always continue. They're just going to change the rules. And so while we got, some people who standing out there happy disclosure is happening. The government has given us disclosure. I tell people all the time, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not going to happen. And I truly believe it's not going to happen. Now, will they say if we came into the room, Richard, and said, we know behind door number three, you guys have some some things from Roswell, New Mexico, because here's the proof. And, and, and then finally they may say, okay, y'all got me they are not going to open up six, seven, and eight and say, let me tell y'all about some things you don't know. That, those, those doors were never open. And then, of course, now that they're moving these projects and secrets over to the private sector, all right, FOIA doesn't work over there. You can't, FOIA act nobody who owns their own corporation. And you see more of that, more of that now. But what people should be asking, though, what is happening and is more alarming to me is when we had that UAP hearing, when uh, I think Senator Gallagher and Moultrin, the DOD, was having the exchange about is there any consequences to people like yourself, myself, or they call or out here you know, passing out information. Uh, and he said, no, we, we need to talk about it. And this is a, a congressional hearing. So this exchange is on the record if they say we talked about it. And I think personally, we saw the first act of that recently when the gentleman out at the uh, 
Area 51, uh, the what was the uh, Dreamland site where they did a no-knock warrant? Oh, George Arnoux in uh, mm-hmm. was that in Rachel, yeah. Nevada? Yeah, he yeah. had a website we, dedicated to Area 51 for years and years, and they finally, yeah, they they knocked it. It came in, took all his stuff, went to his house, and and his girlfriend was out, and you know, of course, under gunpoint, took his things, didn't tell him what it was on his site that violated anything, took all his computers, and. They just did it. And I thought that was the first signal of what we just saw in the hearing of them asking, we need to put consequences in place for people. Now, what happened right after that? Then we get the Whistleblowers Act. So obviously the Congress people are understanding that we need to protect people about what they're about to do, you know, and and I just put those pieces together myself. and, And I think we need to look more into that because that whistleblowers act came right in effect right after this hearing when they had a conversation about, so if they deem you, me, uh, or MUFON or, or some sites, or all they got to say is what they're saying is could hurt national security. They can just classify that. They don't, it don't matter. But if they can do that now and then come in and seize or do something or, or reprimand people who are speaking the truth, because once again, you're not going to even know what you said is the truth. They're just going to come, you know, because they can't say that. Oh, we took Richard's computers because he said what was true, what he talked about. No, they're just going to come in like they did. And I think that's really the true story that we need to be really looking into. In other words, firing a warning shot across the bow to anyone who wants to poke into this as if they're mm-hmm. saying, you want disclosure? You want to do this dance? <laughs> we, we're now you now we're going to take it to another level. You really want this? You sure? You sure? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Now let's put this on your back for real with some consequences. And and now what you want to say? And I think, you know, of course, again, we could say whatever information was given to us is the truth. They're not going to admit it that it's the truth, but they still can come after you and shut you down. Because what they said, you said was a lie. Like, really? When did lies count? <laughs> you know, so we just don't know. Right. I mean, it, it seemed for a while, Roderick, like there was some, we were getting some traction starting in mm-hmm. December 2017 with that New York Times article about the, the secret Pentagon program, ATIP. And mm-hmm. and uh, and then we had um, um, DeLong and Academy to the Stars and Robert Bigelow and Bigelow claiming that he had, you know, trace elements somewhere in a hangar somewhere. And it all seemed like it was building to a head and then nothing. And then we had, you know, the, um, that, that first hearing in many, many years in, in Congress and it, whoever the, um, these two officials, I can't remember now, was it the, um, the undersecretary of the Navy or someone I can't, that's not right, but it was someone like that. They they knew nothing. They they didn't know anything. Oh yeah, about, that was Robert Moultrie. Yeah, yeah, that's Robert right. Moultrie. He knew nothing about UFO incursions over nuclear sites because you just mentioned Maelstrom. It's like he didn't he didn't have the even the basic information on the subject. Well, he appeared that he knew nothing. Basically, what they did for us, the people in you know our community, is slap us right in the face and saying we're not telling you nothing. You know, so if you want to ask me what I know, and if I tell you I know nothing, you're getting nothing. And to to get them to look at it this way, but at the end of the day, they're passing all kind of funding, right? 
So it's the money. You definitely got to follow the money when it comes down to this. But when you look back to Bigelow, you know, I've had a couple of reservations about this story when you start thinking the the Skinwalker Ranch and the $22 million scandal and, you know, how you know, the book Skinwalker Ranch and how all this stuff is tied into and with Bigelow saying they never found nothing, they never found anything, but it, it's still these anomalies exist and dino beavers and werewolves and it, it's just, it's so... At the end of the day, it's like either you got the evidence that crashed in your backyard or you just don't. Uh, or you're going to believe someone on the ground that said they came in my bedroom last night and they took me to the mothership. Or, you know, someone says, you know, I they took me to the ship and showed me all of my hybrid kids so I can meet them. All right. And yet, you know, someone saying I am born an alien, but yet the two parents that they was born to, they still look like them. You know, but how do you, so where I'm going with this is the, 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 this thing is huge. So now you take in the elements of Richard, the government side, technology, secrets, you know, the stuff that fascinate us, you know, let's just see some spacecraft or, you know, cause we, we typically want to see, go ahead, let's show me the alien. Come on, come on, come on, you know, step out the spacecraft and wave, you know, welcome to earth. You know, we're, we're looking for all those things, but this thing is moving, though. It's moving down a timeline uh, where it's getting bigger, but now it's getting more serious. And the fact that it's getting more serious tell us that we are encroaching uh, up on something. We're over the target. Yeah. You know, we're there. We, we just got to figure out the why. You know, why the big secrets, what I would say. <laughs> is it about ultimately, do you think, uh, about things like free energy and, and the, the, the reason for the secret that is that, that it would be too disruptive to the petrodollar and the, and, and, and economies and, and the world order and so forth. Well, why not? You, you just said something magical. And I think a lot of people don't understand. You know, we never seen a UFO stop for gas. Right. So obviously it's using some type of free energy. But I will say this, though, you know, let's just take your audience, for example, and, and do a test run. Let's say you have 12 members of the, your audience right now and 12 are billionaires. Six of them are billionaires. And we're and we all are, they all sit on the board of an energy company. OK. And six are just got welded in you know, from you know, just living, you know, life on minimum wage. And now tomorrow they're going to be rich. In walks in the board meeting room, a extraterrestrial from planet Zeron, who was sent here to save earth from ourselves and had its mission from wherever it came from said, Hey, go save those earthlings and get them off this energy source. And so they can have free energy. And he walks into the boardroom and say, Hey, I'm, you know, Jake from planet Zeron. And I got a, here, here's the you know, recipe for free energy. Now everybody's clapping. The world is about to change into the whispers to someone really realize that he say free energy, especially the new people. Like, you know, we're not going to be rich because now this is it. And you think about that for a moment in real life circumstances. And all you see in this particular movie or scene that I just explained was 
in, in, in the viewpoint of the door and someone locks it and we never hear from that extraterrestrial again. And that's the truth. There is no way that the powers and be will let someone come from another planet and give us free energy because free energy connects the globe. That's one global economy. So you talking about if free energy hits within within months, our world economy will crash probably, you know, think about, you know, a 747 jet that runs off of some type of fuel. What is it worth overnight that, energy the, the source is gone you know what happens to you know people in the oil and gas industry millions and millions of dollars it just it goes away eventually okay yeah you still got old products that'll use these things but the economy itself and so it has nothing to do with the extraterrestrials i think they probably came here and tried that already and the message got back to the new the old one saying you know, what happened to uh, Akbok that we sent to Earth? And then they said, well, I don't know, them Earthlings killed him. <laughs> you know, ain't nobody coming to save us. No. Why would they? You know, and I, and I think it's been done. And so, therefore, to I didn't mean to get off a deep end of what you were saying. No, no, no. Just, it's, uh, I, I think, I, I mean, yeah. I agree with you. I think ultimately, because we all have a stake in this system, um, we, we may not want, truly want disclosure. There you and, go. There and, you. I, I said it a million. You just said the magic answer. And let's take it a little further. Imagine right now in the FAA, we're talking about all these UFOs in the skies. Do you want to be able to get ready on a plane or you just get off the plane and have some turbulence? You know, we all been on them. And then they give you a brochure and say, oh, by the way, because of disclosure, we want you to know we had a few UAPs that ran across us in the sky and, and some of our instrument panels went off. Oh, you getting ready to board this plane, the last plane. Oh, they didn't crash. Okay, they didn't cause a crash. We're okay with that. But just let you know, the last flight encountered some UAPs and we had to kind of, you know, make some infinite dives a little bit. You know, do we want that disclosure? That's what you're saying. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Roderick Martin, host of the YouTube channel and podcast, Why the Big Secret. What a delight meeting you, Roderick. I hope we can do Same this here. again. We can. Anytime. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe at strangeplanetpodcast.com.